feel like I have to slouch so you can see my face. <laughs> I like seeing your face. It's much better than just seeing like your torso. <laughs> like cut off at the head. It's like any adult or cartoon where a kid's cartoon where like the adult is not visible, you know. Like Powerpuff Girls or something. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You never see the head of the adult. Anyways. (laughs) And when you do, it's like their back is turned so you don't even see their face. Hello, animal lovers. Welcome to the Animal Facts Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Jayla. We just want to remind everyone that we are not professionals, just animal enthusiasts. We love learning about them, talking about them, and discovering new ones. And all the crazy things that they can do. There are so many animals out there, and they are all so different. If we are misinformed, please email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so we can correct ourselves. Some of the things we say may also just be our opinions. So just a reminder, we are enthusiasts, not professionals. Thanks Thanks for for joining joining us. Enjoy! Enjoy! Well, welcome animal fact lovers. Thanks for listening, tuning in to this animal facts podcast. I'm Jayla. And I'm Nicole. (laughs) Nicole, do you have our our personal question before we dive into learning about our animal this week? I do. Our personal question this week is, who is your favorite Sesame Street character? It's a really good question. Shout out to Sesame Street (laughs) for lots of childhood memories. All those letters of the day. Yes. My current favorite Sesame Street character would have to be Oscar the Grouch. (laughs) I love Oscar the Grouch. Because he's so grouchy. I think he's great. He's relatable yes, as an yes. adult. <laughs> I also really like Elmo's goldfish. Dorothy. Yes, yes. And then I don't know why. Noodle and, Mr. and Mr. Noodle. Noodle's brother, Mr. Noodle. <laughs> yes, yes. They were actually my favorite growing up. I always watched um, Elmo's World, and I really liked Mr. Noodle. I don't know if my mom realized that I liked Mr. Noodle. <laughs> That was why I liked Elmo's World, but <laughs> Elmo's yeah. World was fun, and it was always at the end. It was just—it was always a fun little segment. Yeah, and he always had lots of songs, and he had babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember all the things in his in his segment, but I liked it. <laughs> Elmo's mm-hmm. World, la 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 la. Anyways. <laughs> My favorite character, or Sesame Street character, currently is, I think, Grover. Oh, nice, nice. I can't tell if you're just like, who the heck is Grover, or if you froze. (laughs) I think I froze. (laughs) I said nice. That's a good choice. Thanks. I think he's so funny, and, like, he's like a little superhero in a way, and he just, he beats to his own drum. And he's cute and funny. But growing up, my favorite was Oscar the Grouch. I loved Oscar the Grouch. Because <laughs> nice. he had his little pet worm. And he's yes. always like, get out of my stuff. 
And I related yes, to him yes. as um, the youngest. And I was always like, get out of my stuff, older siblings. <laughs> I, like I feel it. like the typical answer is always Cookie Monster, but Cookie Monster's oh, no. great. I love Cookie Monster. Nope. But I didn't like my Cookie Monster. Was always Oscar. <gasps> no. No, because think of all the cookies that he's not eating. <laughs> he's a puppet. Sorry, kids. <laughs> Anyways, I I loved Oscar and his little wormy friend. Mm-hmm. And I currently, my favorite is Grover because he's, he's just, he's funny. He, for me, is Muppet's version of Larry the Cucumber from Veggie Tales, who uh, yes. pretends to be the superhero. <laughs> yes, that's fair. So. I, I see that. Mm-hmm. I like it. Nice. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Good question. Listeners. <laughs> it is a good question. Listeners, what's your favorite Sesame Street character? Or what's your favorite childhood car- childhood show character? Because I guess Sesame yeah. Street's not a cartoon. We no, want to know. But it is a kid's show. So True. if you didn't care for Sesame Street or you never watched it, but you watched other things like Ben 10 or Arthur <laughs> or Zabooboo, I don't know. What was your favorite character? think about it i'm excited to learn about our listeners yeah. <laughs> are you excited to learn about this animal just as much as i'm excited to learn about your animal yes <laughs> perfect well i've got my questions are you ready trivia time trivia cool what animal eats mostly sugar and on the candy diet <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> what animal has a brain that is 4.2% of its body weight oh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then what animal makes this sound and I saved it for last because I feel like this will give it away let me turn it up so Nicole can hear it Can you hear it? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Are you ready? Yes. Drum roll. They're the hummingbirds. And I'm saying hummingbirds for most of this podcast because there's a lot of hummingbirds out there. And I generalized because there's a lot of different species and they do a lot of different things. So, not really. They just different <laughs> hummingbirds yes yes what did you say the sound sounded like it's a weird sentence. it sounds like the beginning <laughs> sounded kind of like water with like those really loud like insecty bugs <laughs> with some bird sounds in the background yeah that's actually kind of what it sounds like but i think it's because it's outside because you can't get mm-hmm. like hummingbird sound by itself usually or it's just the humming sound but i was specifically looking for what the hummingbird sounds like so what noise the hummingbird makes while it's like chirping 
versus yeah. the constant hum because i feel like if i just played the hum you just think my computer was running and like dying <laughs> so anyways cool. uh cool ready to learn about the hummingbirds i am so ready give cool. me all them facts so hummingbirds are found uh, around the world they have 338 to 343 identified species which wow. makes them yeah makes them the second largest bird family in the world um, I did not look up the first largest bird family in the world I'm sorry <laughs> I feel like I failed you uh, we will find out The difference between hummingbirds and other birds is mostly the aerodynamic layout of the hummingbirds and how they fly and what they eat. Uh, They are the only type of bird that can fly backwards and upside down. And we'll talk about how they do that and why they can do that later. Uh, But that's one of the big differences between hummingbirds and all other birds. Uh, The biggest difference between each hummingbird species. Yeah, it is cool. Um, is their appearance. So in general, they are small birds, usually three to five inches, which is 76 millimeters to 127 millimeters in length. And they can weigh anywhere between two to 20 grams. On average, an American penny weighs 2.5 grams. So they can weigh as little as a penny to as many as 20 grams. So anyways... Which would be four nickels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I like that conversion. Good job, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> um, hummingbirds have... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hummingbirds have long, narrow beaks used for extracting the nectar from the flowers. Uh, this is like their most prominent, well-known attribute. Uh, their wings are long and narrow, and they are tapered to give it better agility in the air. And we'll talk a lot about their wings later. Uh, the shoulder and elbow joints of the hummingbird wings are very close to their body, which allows the wings to tilt and pivot uh, and makes their agility a lot easier. That's how they can fly backwards and upside downs, and we'll, we'll talk more about it. For the most part, their hummingbird's feathers are iridescent colors and they range from browns to blues greens purples reds and pinks and males usually have a lot of the brighter colors and then females are generally plainer but they still show the same iridescent colors of for many of their species so while the males will be generally brighter and like more vibrant the females have the same colors within each species but they're just duller And it's usually because the females are the ones sitting on their eggs, so they don't want to be as, like, loud and flamboyant, so they're not hunted. Um, So, uh, hummingbirds have... Yeah, isn't that cool? Uh, Their legs and feet are very tiny and short. There was a theory (laughs) out there that they don't have feet or legs, and which isn't true because they perch... uh, but they're so small that they can't walk. 
They can't even hop. They can't what? Walk. Oh, oh. Yeah. Interesting. They can do like a weird, awkward sideways hop, but the hummingbird's primary <laughs> locomotion, like the way it moves, is flight. So even if it has to move like an inch or two, it will fly to move rather than moving <laughs> their feet. That's fantastic. Yeah. And also that- so funny and sad. I think it's I think it's funny. Um yeah. And then they can flap their wings uh at about 1260 times in a single minute. Whoa. Hmm? So that's how they make the humming sound. Are you ready for their history? What? <laughs> Are you ready for their history? Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? <laughs> I hear parts of you. That sounded weird. Uh... <laughs> I feel like I should have done like armpit noises or something. <laughs> oh, sure, you can could hear you... that. <laughs> How? Yeah, I did hear that. How quickly do they move their wings? Um, they flap a hundred or a thousand two hundred and sixty times in a single minute. Dang. So. Okay. Is that what you missed? I'm just letting that sink in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I heard, like, I heard a portion of the number and then it sounded like a lot smaller of the number and you said a minute and I was like, that doesn't seem right. I feel like it should either be second or a higher number per minute so that I wanted to clarify what I heard. (laughs) yeah um that oh, translates to okay. 80 beats per second uh, so. wow mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay crazy uh, yeah really i mean fast. it it does vary from uh hummingbird to hummingbird species not hummingbird to hummingbird species you know what i mean hummingbird to hummingbird <laughs> species to species you're glitching again <laughs> oh no <laughs> It's okay. I just messed up. Threaten with your armpit farts again, and then maybe it'll catch up. <laughs> I can see you doing it, but I can't. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. okay. Can you hear me now? Just keep going. Okay. That's what she said. You always hear the jokes. You're not hearing the facts. (laughs) I I told you we hear all the things that aren't important. But once our facts come out, it's like, oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) I'm just going to keep going. Uh, The universe is working against us. (laughs) This is ridiculous. I was trying to say that the amount, amount of flaps that they do depends on species to species so hummingbirds that are smaller so the smaller hummingbirds um because there's so many species they like grow in size and then they shrink back down it's crazy but depending on which species it is and how big they are the smaller the species the more flaps they have to do in order to keep themselves in motion um because they have smaller wingspans so which i thought was kind of cool that is cool yeah science uh, is cool science is cool are you ready for the history that's what i was trying to ask you 
I honestly am hearing parts of everything you're saying, and I'm just responding to the best of my ability. Okay. Hang on. Oh, no. You've gone black. Ah! You dropped me. I see what happened. (laughs) What are you doing? My headphone's broken. I'm asking you a question, and I'm going to write it in this notebook so I can show you. Are you ready for the history question? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Good. Because I've asked this question like three times now. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I'm like, she can't hear me. Okay. Real quick before we continue, I just want to apologize to our listeners if you hear my child screaming in the background. <laughs> That's okay. He is teething, he has just turned one, and he likes to be really loud. <laughs> Alright, history. I'm ready. <laughs> cool. So, we're going to talk about the history of the hummingbirds. Back in 1557, Jean de Lery published a journal of his travels to Brazil. And in his first descriptions of the hummingbirds to reach the old world, these were the journals that he sent. Um, So early in European explorers uh, like Larry had never seen anything like the fearless tiny hummingbirds. It was thought that they had at some point been around the entire world, but they now only reside in the Americas, so North and South America, and they can be as high as Alaska and as low as the bottom corner of South America, which is pretty cool. So it just ranges in that area, but they aren't found in Europe. So when Larry first found them, he had never seen anything like them, and he described them as fearless tiny birds that buzzed around their heads when they reached the Americas. That's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As a result of his, like, f- findings, hummingbirds quickly joined the birds of paradise as must-haves for any natural history collection and Victorian drawing rooms. Uh, and in 1851, the Crystal Palace in London exhibited more than 300, 300 hummingbird specimens, dazzling crowds and one of the people who went to go see the specimens was Queen Victoria herself, which is pretty cool. Nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So with some research and some digging, it is believed that hummingbirds did at one point live everywhere um, and ex- also in Europe. Um, everywhere except Antarctica because <laughs> it's too <laughs> cold. I feel like Antarctica yes. is the exception for everything. Almost everything. Except penguins. Yes. <laughs> Um, true very very true so by examining genetic variations across living hummingbird species and using that to piece together an approximate evolutionary timeline this guy named Jim McGuire uh, who is a biologist it's an he's an integrative biologist at the University of California Berkeley estimates that hummingbirds um, were around 42 million years ago so wow yeah they're pretty old that's a good long while Mm -hmm. 
hummingbirds broke away from their closest living relative, which is the swifts, on that evolutionary timeline. And the oldest hummingbird fossil was discovered in southeastern Germany in 2004 and is estimated to be 30 to 35 million years old. This is one of the reasons it was only found in 2004. Um, so it's a very recent discovery to think that hummingbirds lived in Europe, which is pretty cool. Since yeah. 2004, though, they found at least six more hummingbird fossils that have popped up in Germany, Poland, and France. And they think that the fossils may not be real hummingbird fossils, but they might belong to an entirely different bird group. Um, they're not entirely sure. It's just the bone structure that they're going off of because that's all they really have. Uh, and it's they're not super clear fossils. So. Ooh. <laughs> that's really cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is cool. Modern hummingbirds evolved in the Americas around 22 million years ago is what they're expect like estimating. Because we don't have any fossils from the West that are older than 10,000 years ago, it's a really like big estimate and kind of a guess. But, Nicole, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> cool. Why do you think hummingbirds are called hummingbirds? Because they sound like they're humming when they fly? Yes, that's exactly why. Okay. <laughs> I was like, is this a trick question? <laughs> no, it's not a trick question. That is exactly how they get their name. Uh, because they flap cool. so quickly, they make the humming sound. And the That's sound so is actually cool. a very high frequency, and it's just audible to humans. If it was any higher, it wouldn't. we wouldn't be able to hear it. Isn't that cool? Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Dang. So other terms that are called, or other phrases or ways to call a hummingbird have been passed down over generations. Early Spanish explorers called hummingbirds flying jewels because of their colors. They were also named, uh, I'm going to mispronounce a lot of these and I'm really sorry, but they were named Beja Flor, which translates to flower kisser in Portuguese. They were called chupa floor. You flower kisser. <laughs> yeah. uh, chupa floor in Spanish for flower sucker. You flower sucker. Uh, they were called yoyas voladoras, which is also translated from Spanish as flying jewels. Pica floor in Spanish for flower nibbler. And el zunzun. You which... flower nibbler. <laughs> El Zunzun is Caribbean for the Hummer. So I thought that was really cool that they're all I kind like of it. relatively the same, but in different ways, you know? Yeah. Super um, cool. Yeah. So diet and hunting. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. What does the hummingbird eat, Nicole? Sugar, water. <laughs> yes, that is that is what people feed them. <laughs> cool. Um, hummingbirds... That is what my mom feeds them. Yes, yes. That is what people feed them. Uh, hummingbirds do feed mostly on sugar. It's sugar from nectar from flowers, typically in the wild. But uh, they do eat sugar specifically from the nectar. Um, and that's usually what they 
live on. It's a sugar diet, which is not healthy for humans. Yeah, but it works it's well for them. Healthy for the hummingbirds, exactly. So the sugar content has to average around 26%, which is double the sugar found in a soft drink. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Apparently um, sugar. Yes. It's like syrup. Yes. Uh, but the... So kind of not like syrup because it can't be too concentrated and sticky because then the uh, hummingbirds can't drink it properly. It like just gets stuck. Um, yeah. So they really sticky. Yeah. They rely on the long tube like tongue to draw nectar into their mouths through a wicking action, which is the force that brings water. Well, I should rephrase. That's what we thought they drank like. It's actually like a lapping, like how um, dogs kind of lap like up dog. water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. They tend. Also interesting. I'm imagining a hummingbird drinking like a dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a lot more information about their tongues later, which is a very weird sentence. I didn't think I would have to say. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, there's a a myth out there that hummingbirds only drink from red and orange flowers. That's not true. The study behind that is that they can see red and orange flowers and specifically the uh, nectar, I think is what it is, that is that tint. And so they're more drawn to that because it usually has a higher uh, sugar concentration, which is what they want. Mm. So... Okay. It's not that they specifically will only eat out of red and orange petals or red and orange flowers. It's just that that's what they're drawn to because it's easier for them to see. There have been studies where they've uh, just increased the nectar saturation, the sugar concentration in blue like tinted flowers or like fake flowers that they're trying to have the hummingbirds eat out of. And because they've boosted that sugar concentration, the hummingbirds still go to that feeder. Um, so it's not anything to really do with color. It's more about what's inside the flower that matters. <laughs> it's what's inside that counts. <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, hummingbirds. <laughs> yeah. They are very particular about what type of flowers they eat so or eat out of. So they have to be usually hanging down and pointing downwards or pointing forwards so that they don't have to have a hard time getting in there and it's usually easier for them to go kind of straight forward instead of like going down if their face is facing down makes sense yeah Um, because it's easier for them to hover straight forward than hovering over a flower yeah yeah so most of their lifetime is spent searching for food they settle in areas areas settled in by humans uh, flowers usually aren't as what am i trying to say they don't find as good of food sources uh, because we've okay. like taken away their natural habitats and their natural food sources but they can be replaced by flowers so what people can do to help hummingbirds is they can plant specific flowers that hummingbirds can eat out of 
Um, so there's bee balm, there's cardinal flowers, trumpet creepers, coral, honeysuckles, and columbines that people can actually plant in their yards. And the hummingbirds will be more likely to come in and be able to eat out of them. And that's a natural supplement versus just sugar water. Um, sugar water does help, but sometimes they rely too much on it. And then sometimes yeah. um, they won't migrate. It's not every time because migrating is a natural instinct but they have been known to stick around the area it's kind of like when you feed ducks um ducks Mm. won't migrate if they know that there's a constant food source especially in winters so that's so interesting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um hummingbirds will eat up to eight times per hour and each feeding session is only going to last 30 seconds to a minute. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's literally just like a, it's like a snack all the time. They're always snacking. Uh, sure. Whatever floats your boat, birdie. <laughs> uh, many I like snacks. Yeah. Many locations, um, hummingbirds. So the reason why you would also prefer flowers than hummingbird feeders is because hummingbirds are pollinators, kind of like our bee friends. So hummingbirds are a huge pollinator. They pollinate just like small insects, um, but because they stick their head in the flower, the pollen kind of goes around their their heads and then they'll transfer that from flower (laughs) to flower. Um, Especially if they're doing it within the same species of flowers, it's a lot more... Uh, helpful for the flowers to pollinate that way but also while they're flapping their wings so fast the pollen will like pick up and it will just move within the motion of the wind um, that the bird is giving off yeah so it's pretty cool they do pollinators for the wind yes yes they don't have the ability to smell so their prime way of finding flowers is by remembering they have a really good memory, and then also by their eyesight. So, I thought that was interesting. Oh, that mm-hmm. is super interesting. They can't smell, but they can see and remember. Mm-hmm. And then, oh. pu- uh, hummingbirds also have the ability to slow down their metabolism if food sources are scarce. So, what happens Ooh. is they go into a... Uh, I don't... Uh, I'll find it here in a second. I might have it somewhere else. I don't have it here in this moment. I'm sorry. They can okay. slow you down have their me metabolism. In this moment. <laughs> Thanks. I do have you. Uh, yeah. That's cool though that they can slow it. it down. Yeah. They can slow down their metabolism and it basically drops to super slow. It kind of they go into like a hibernation and they like set themselves there. But if they stay in that hibernation like too long then they could potentially die um which is really sad but yeah so it works for them and against them most birds use it to kind of uh save their energy in the winter so they can go into this um state and then they'll sleep and they'll conserve their energy until they know that it's warm enough for them to go find food or for them to uh wake up during a certain hours where their food is more likely to show up. Um, so it's common amongst birds, but I don't know exactly what it's called because I don't have it here, and I'm sorry. 
how long can they be in that hibernated state for? Ah, it wasn't very long. I think I don't exactly know how long it was, but it wasn't very long. Like they can't, they wouldn't be able to do it for like a week. Um, okay. So. And if someone like was to like find them and move them, would they wake up or would they stay asleep? That's a great question. I'm curious because we one time found a hummingbird that was like just chilling on one of my mom's hummingbird feeders and it wasn't moving. Um. And I'm pretty sure it was hanging upside down, but it's like claws were just hanging on the thing. And my mom's like, I think it's dead. <laughs> but now I'm like, maybe it was hibernating. <laughs> or maybe it was dead. I don't know. Uh, maybe it was sleeping. I don't know. I think she went out and moved it. And Aww. it didn't budge. But I don't know. I'm assuming it was dead. Because I'm, su- I'm assuming that if she did move it, she would have noticed if it was breathing unless it's hibernating can you tell if they're breathing when they're hi- i don't know i mean i think they still breathe when they hibernate kind of like a, yes. a bear would yeah but so. is it like a more slower rate or is it like normal i don't know it's kind of it's almost like when the water bears go into their tune state but it's not as um intense if that makes sense oh yeah 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 they can't like outlive space but they can <laughs> lower their metabolism so that they're not using as much energy um, yeah so they can use it crazy mm-hmm. so sorry for that uh random fact that i don't have any backup answers for <laughs> <laughs> okay um when they don't have as much nectar they do eat other things uh so they can eat mosquitoes spiders gnats fruit flies uh aphids and they when they're catching insects they're usually flying um because they can catch them in their mouth as they're flying Um, yeah they can pluck the spiders right off their webs which uh without cool yeah uh the quote I found was that they can pluck spiders right out of their webs without missing a wing beat. <laughs> oh, that was clever. Um, that is clever. Yeah. And also really cool. Yes, yes. Um, cool. Are you ready to learn how they drink their nectar with their tongues? Yes. Yes, give me those Sorry. tongue facts. <laughs> Um, so it used to be that they thought the hummingbirds had really thin and dainty tongues like straws um, but tiny like tiny straws in the early 19th century scientists realized that the tip of the hummingbird's tongue was forks um, so it has two tiny tubes um, and they kind of like jet out into two forks and they weird yeah so they postulate they like studied the birds um and they thought that most must drink nectar through the capillary action which is the same mechanism that allows a towel to draw in water so it like 
absorbs it and sucks it up, you know? Um, but they were wrong. That's not how hummingbirds drink water. But this wasn't... So they th- came up with this idea in the 19th century, but it wasn't cracked, and like they didn't figure out how hummingbirds actually drink water or drink nectar or feed in general. Uh, so in 2011, two research called... Uh, one was Margaret Rebega, and the other was Alejandro Rico Guevara, discovered that hummingbirds feed via a piston-like method. So they lap up their nectar nectar with their tongues like tiny forks at the tips, um, or the tiny forks at the tips spring open to gather fluid. So they have like one tongue, right? And it jets out and then it has two prongs. And then at the end of those prongs are tiny forks. And those are what gather the liquid and they kind of spread out. Okay. And then they gather the liquid and then they come back into the tongue and the, then the bill squeezes shut and it comprises, compresses the tongue, allowing the bird to lap up the nectar. So. Weird. Yeah. And then they repeat this at a high speed of 15 to 20 times per second. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in our resource page, I uh, linked in a PBS video, uh, and it's actually a video of Alejandro and Margaret and how they discovered and did their studies. Um, and it's just a clip of like a bigger section of a hummingbird episode that PBS did. But it's really cool, and I okay. definitely encourage you to check it out. Um, basically, That's he like cool. does like tubes, and then you can see the they have a high-speed camera and they focus it on the tube and then you watch the hummingbird like use its tongue to get in there and then they zoom in over time to try and figure it out (laughs) yeah sorry (laughs) that was dirty (laughs) sorry but it's super cool (laughs) i know it's a hummingbird eating (laughs) I don't have a flower. That's really you cool, don't like though. my flower? It <laughs> <laughs> just makes us so much better and worse. <laughs> it's my flower. You don't like my flower? <laughs> you don't like my flower? <laughs> I never said anything about your flower. <laughs> oh. I love your flower. Thanks. I hope so. (laughs) Anyways. It is really cool. It's really cool that the that they didn't figure this out until like two thousand eleven. So Wow. Here we are. That's impressive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because we didn't have the technology to sit around and watch hummingbirds feed at a lower speed, um, which was really the hardest part. So yeah yeah are you ready for what is a threat to hummingbirds yes so hummingbirds are really fast but sometimes they're not fast enough uh depending on their location and the time of year depends on what's hunting them the biggest predator for the hummingbird family in general just all hummingbirds in general are cats so my cat (laughs) doesn't surprise me at all (laughs) yeah my cats are fairly slow 
I don't think they would catch a hummingbird. But domestic cats often catch them when they are perched. Um, so if a hummingbird is like, taking a rest, uh, that's when the cats are most likely to catch them. They'll climb trees to find their nests even, and then they'll eat their eggs, um, which is kind of sad. Mm. So That is sad. Yes. Larger birds also eat hummingbirds, so hawks, kestrels, shrieks, roadrunners, kites, and blue jays are often found with hummingbird snacks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, snakes will hunt hummingbirds. They will often find those small eggs in the nests of trees and take the opportunity to eat them while the mom is out and about trying to find food. Um, this one is, I think, a pretty interesting and surprising uh, predator for the hummingbird. It's a praying mantis. Mm-hmm. The insect? Mm-hmm. Yep. What? Yeah. So the praying mantis will hunt with calculated moves and at lightning speed because it's got its, like, you know, arm things. And it will take several uh-huh. days for the praying mantis to feed on a hummingbird, but sometimes they will come and they'll get closer and closer to the nest and then they'll wait for the mom to be asleep or like taking a rest or when she's not paying attention and they'll just like attack they also sit on hummingbird feeders and they'll wait for the hummingbirds to show up but it takes several days for a praying mantis to feed on a hummingbird so it's like a big meal so that's so crazy they're they're like the serial killer Mm mm-hmm they really are they lurk yeah oh that's terrifying and so crazy Mm -hmm. i thought that one was really surprising um yeah large spiders also eat hummingbirds so we talked about how hummingbirds eat spiders well sometimes they'll get eaten by spiders usually they'll get caught in the web um if they were not tactical enough on how to get the spider out or if they they use the silk from the webs to put in their nests. So when they're making their nests, they'll go around trying to get spider webs. And then sometimes they'll get stuck. And the spider will usually immobilize them. And then that's the end of the spider. Or the hummingbird, which is sad. Um, <laughs> that is sad. And then both bees and wasps have been found to... Uh, feed on small hummingbirds as well and it's usually because it's a carcass or they uh, the hummingbird got too close to their nest so then they attacked out of um, defense so that's that's fair Mm -hmm. and then we kill them yeah and then there's us humans are actually a big threat to hummingbirds as we spray pesticides um, and some pestis- uh. pesticides are toxic to hummingbirds, and so they will destroy their environment. And then also some humans do go out of their ways to destroy nests, um, and that's to deter oh. them from using the same nest year to year. Because like most birds, um, hummingbirds will use their nests every year. They have a really good memory, so they know where they are and where they left them. But if humans destroy them, then they don't have a home to come back to. And some humans, I don't know why, I don't know why a human would do this, but some humans think that hummingbirds are pests, so that's why they get rid of their nests. Ha, that was a sad rhyme, but, uh, (laughs) yeah. 
And then the other thing is that uh, it's called window strikes, and that's when a hummingbird like flies into a window. Um, and lots of birds do this, especially uh, as we get skyscrapers and we get more buildings with more windows. Um, it's because when birds, when they're flying, they can't see straight ahead. They can only see yeah. on their sides and down because that's how they have yeah, developed yeah, yeah. over time. And so when yeah. it's a window straight ahead, it's also usually reflecting. And so they can't tell yeah. that there's something in front of them. They think that the world is just going to continue because it's a reflection. Uh, so yeah. it's really encouraged to put either stickers or hanging things in your windows or curtains or um, blinds, something that will make sure that the birds know that there's something there. There's something stopping it yeah. rather than it just reflecting. So that one's really sad. Sad. Yeah. All of these reasons are why hummingbirds will usually die before they are one year of age. <gasps> oh, so young. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really sad. Sad little babies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sorry, Nicole. I'm sorry to my mom. It's true. I'm sorry to my mother-in-law. She loves hummingbirds. So. Uh, sorry, moms. Yeah. Are you ready? Do you want to know where you can find hummingbirds? That's kind of a pick-me-up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, because there's over uh, 340, I think is what was it, 330... Five, 338 to 343 identified species of hummingbirds. So there's a lot of hummingbird ground to cover. It's usually restricted to North and South America. Um, so they can okay. be found in parts of Alaska. That's about as high as they go as parts of Alaska that are below sea level. And then they okay. will travel down to uh, South America. So that uh, on Andes of South America, which is pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. In Canada alone, there's about an estimate of 10 different species of hummingbirds that have been identified. Um, and then the number of species in the United States jumps to 25. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, most areas in the U.S. have one or two breeding species, and it's the only one that is known to nest in east of Mississippi is the ruby-throated hummingbird, which is the most common one in the U.S., um, which is pretty cool. So that's the one with the big red throat, um, mm. hence why it's called yeah. ruby-throated hummingbird. <laughs> Makes um, sense. Yeah. E Ecuador is home to more different kinds of hummingbirds than any other area. Um, there's 163 nice. identified different species living Whoa. in Ecuador. Dang. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and that's just the ones that they have identified and cataloged and, like, know of. Um, that's not to say that these are, like, exact numbers because you might see a hummingbird outside of its area. But it's pretty cool. They can be found in a range of areas, so they range from deserts, coastal regions, forest areas, and meadows. They do require areas that have warmer temperatures, though, for breeding. 
to take place and mm-hmm. that's why they usually migrate so it's because they want oh, okay. to go to a warmer area repopulate their species and then they'll fly back up to alaska or something yeah it's nice to be in the warm sometimes <laughs> it is they have summer homes <laughs> it's adorable yeah so they can be found living among trees bushes vines it depends on their habitat um so obviously you wouldn't find a lot of bushes and vines in the desert but they can be found in like cacti they are very territorial um so they will fight over other places and we'll talk about that more in their behaviors cool so when they're sleeping they'll try and find shelter so since these birds are so small and they don't really have a defense they'll do their best to remain well hidden from predators um, and other dangers so they have been found sleeping upside down in fir trees not necessarily on like hummingbird feeders but in fir trees Um, and it's believed that this is just one way for them to like blend in with their habitat and to remain unseen but i think it's kind of funny they're like kind of like bird bats (laughs) yeah that's so cool so Mm -hmm. overall they tend to live alone and they're usually seen in groups when they migrate and they're looking for food um and occasionally when they're eating food but they tend to live alone and climate change makes it really hard for them to live in their natural habitat habitats um because they can't regulate their body temperatures at times when it gets hotter or colder than normal they tend to not be able to survive in spaces that they normally would so thanks climate change because they can live in so many different spaces and they live in both north america and south america though they aren't on any endangered lists so that's good that's really cool it's like all this death but at least they're not endangered there's plenty of them so you would think that with all this space they wouldn't be so territorial right Mm -hmm. they are they're actually known as like one of the most territorial birds in the bird kingdom (laughs) Uh, so funny they're so tiny it's so funny they hold a lot of grudges which i think is really funny (laughs) and uh, they divide themselves by territories so male hummingbirds will be aggressive about their territories and their territories are usually based on the amount of food nectar they can find and water available so that's how they divide their territories and it's usually about the size of a quarter acre and then females will divide their territories by the nests that they build so they'll build nests in their areas and then they'll be like you're too close to my home and then they'll beat each other up Um, yeah male hummingbirds are super aggressive so if they have another male in their area they will chase them out and so funny Yeah, this helps the male hummingbirds eliminate competition for female hummingbirds, of course, because we all need to be fought over. Um, Yep. There's not plenty of them to go around or anything. 
Yeah. Female hummingbirds, though, are also very aggressive to male hummingbirds. Uh, and this goes back to <laughs> the males having brighter colors than the females. So the female hummingbirds will try to deter them away from their nests because the male hummingbirds have the bright colors and they might alert the predators in the area or um, in the nest location. So they don't want to give away their nest location. Uh, so. That's so funny. Like, go away. You're too flashy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, which is funny because it's like the opposite when they're mating. Um <laughs> They want them flashy when they're mating. Yeah. But they don't want them flashy when they're just out doing normal stuff. Exactly. They will chirp warnings to heed towards each other. So if they get too close, they'll chirp warnings. And then um, they'll, they've been known to body slam each other midair. And they'll lock their bills together yeah. and, while spinning in a circle until they hit the ground. And then whoever walks out, walks out. What? Mm-hmm. Male hummingbirds. It's like the weirdest game of chicken ever. Yeah, it's a game of hummingbirds. <laughs> it's a good thing we don't play it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hummingbirds, especially the males, have also shown aggression towards fake hummingbirds. So if you have fake hummingbirds in your yard, um, they'll, like, knock them off the f- the like decorations or they'll knock them off porches some people have found like their fake hummingbirds with like little beak holes in them that's hilarious Uh uh-huh um and they don't when hummingbirds fight they don't tend to like hurt each other intentionally unless they're slamming each other into the ground but then it's their own fault but they don't like break a wing or anything they will pull out feathers but that's about it um so at the end of mating season you can usually tell which hummingbird got into the most fights because they're they'll be missing the most feathers Uh, so that's really funny yeah Um, yeah one of the most different and important things about hummingbirds versus other birds sorry i was trying to think of where to go with that sentence is that they can fly so they can fly for a a long period of time and it's hovering and aerobatic acrobatic sorry acrobatic flyers and this comes down to the way their way their wings are shaped and the way they're built and the way that they use their metabolism and what they eat so because they're eating so many sugars they're basically on a sugar high right (laughs) all the time yeah um yeah so they can constantly have that buzz. Yeah. <laughs> they can go forward, backwards, ups, upwards, downwards, side to side without any problem. They so crazy. have the highest in-flight metabolism of any bird species. Their energy conversion is necessary to sustain their rapid heart rate and wing speed, which are both two of the highest in all of bird species. Um, and I'll I'll get more into their more into the way they fly. Um, it kind of it's a whole nother like section of things. It could have gone into multiple categories, so I just like plopped it into its own thing. We've been recording for about an hour. I'm sorry. I'm trying to fly through this. <laughs> ha! Literally fly. Fly through it. I love it. Um, yeah. 
So because hummingbirds are super solitary unless they're mating, they are mature at just a few months old and then they'll migrate to those warmer climates to specifically mate. And then when they're done mating, the females will stay and they'll build their nests and then the males will just leave. So that's pretty cool. The males have, depending on species, the males will do a bunch of different things to get the female's attention and to like be the the one and only male for the female to court. Um, but they're not lifelong cool. partners, so they will okay. mate with other females over time and they'll exchange mates and stuff. Some of them puff up their chests um, so that they show off their colors. Some of them will do a courtship dive, which is when they fly 60 feet into the air and then turn right down and dive as oh. fast as possible. Um, what? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, and then they'll make a buzzing, popping, or whistling sound. So then that like speed is also another like way the female can tell if they're the fastest hummingbird. Crazy. Yeah. And yeah. Then the they do their thing and they go their separate ways. It's kind of very short. <laughs> yeah. The yeah the female will make her nest with um, the spider webs, the feathers, leaves, moss, and wool, and then she'll sit with her chicks and she'll wait for them to hatch. Um, she'll go on adventures to like go nice. find food and stuff while she's trying to take care of the eggs. And then the eggs can be very vulnerable to the predators, like the praying mantis and snakes and stuff. But for the most part, she just waits until they hatch. And then after three or four weeks, the hummingbird chicks learn to fly and then become super independent. So Cool. Yeah. I feel like it's very typical bird experience yeah. for that. Yeah. Hummingbirds. They're mating rituals, though. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hummingbirds do tend to die after the first year of life. So they'll leave after three or four weeks from their nest, and then they may not make it past a year. On average, they live five to ten years. But because of all the predators and the weathers and uh, telephone poles, glass windows, houses, buildings, depending on what's in the area, um, and that trip to migrate in the spring and then again in the fall the they don't tend to make it past the first year which is really sad the famous ruby-throated hummingbird which is the most common in the u.s has an expected life of three to five years and then one of the oldest hummingbirds that they tracked was six years and 11 months wow Mm mm-hmm but because they have such a high metabolism and they always go, 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 you can't really keep them in zoos, you can't really house them, and you can't have them as a pet. It's actually illegal in most places because of their high metabolism, and it's really hard to provide proper nutrition for them. So they're always on the go. Okay. They always need to move. They need to eat. And it's really hard to get them all of the things that they need while they're in captivity. So Crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Fun facts. Back to their flying habits, which I think is really cool. That was honestly probably my favorite part about learning about the hummingbird is how they fly. Um, so they can fly backwards, sideways, straight up, and straight down. 
they can hover for long periods of time and they can even do backward somersaults and they can even fly upside down what mm-hmm. cool yeah and we didn't really know all of this because they move so fast um, until we could start filming at high speeds and that's really what started getting scientists to be able to analyze air currents around hummingbird wings um, and putting them into different scenarios so that we could see how their wings move in motion. So not only do they have hollow bones and fused vertebrae um, and fused pelvic bones, which eliminate excess muscles and um, weight, they also have extra chest muscles, um, which are responsible for moving the wings and they have bigger chest muscles than most birds most birds compared to the rest of their body weight if that makes sense um yeah and then because they don't have long feet because they can't walk um they don't have that drag where the feet would be so that doesn't take away from their aerodynamic speed when they're flying um and then They do, so the way most birds fly is they have up and down strokes and down, yeah, up and down strokes. Um, And the hummingbirds stroke their wings forwards and backwards. And then they actually pivot them up to 180 degrees at the shoulder to rotate the wings. And then, yeah, the slightest tip can like send them changing any direction they want. Um, so it's just like about That's the crazy. way they angle their wings, which is super cool. That is really cool. Yeah. So that's what I've got about their wings and their flyings and stuff. There are albino hummingbirds. They're super rare. Um, huh. They have white feathers and pink eyes like most albino animals. Um and it's just a genetic mutation that stops the creation of any dark pigment. So, they're pretty cool. cool. I saw some pictures. They're pretty. I'll have to look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we talked about the ruby-throated hummingbird, which is the only species regularly seen over most of the eastern United States. And those are the, they're like metallic green, and then they have the bright red throat. And then females' throats are actually white. And they have rounded tails with white corners. So, huh. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't find any famous hummingbirds. But I did find a lot of hummingbird symbolism. Um, and for the most part, they're oh. all positive. Like the hummingbird doesn't really get a bad rap for anything negative. Um, in Aztec culture, they're used as talismans and... Uh, carvings and they represent energy and vigor and hard work and then the Aztec god of war I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly so I'm not going to try but was often (laughs) depicted as a hummingbird or half hummingbird half human Um, and it was told that it was the fallen warriors would be reincarnated as hummingbirds and butterflies so that was kind of cool yeah. And then there is a hummingbird documentary out there, and it's called Hummingbirds, Jeweled Messengers, and it's from 2012, and it's just documentary about hummingbirds in slow-motion photography, which is cool, so you get to, like, see them fly. Um, that is really cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And then the hummingbird has a lot of different symbolisms depending on what culture you're looking at and where you're looking for, but it's all positive. I didn't really find any negative things about the hummingbirds or what they represent. So they were represented as healers, as um, good luck charms, as those who have recently passed, or if you see them in dreams, it's about like your relationships and you need to let go of your freedom and you're ready for commitment or ah. about family. Uh, you need to kind of <laughs> settle down. It was, it was a lot of um, positive reinforcements um, and also nice. things that maybe some people aren't ready to hear. <laughs> so that's yeah. also fair i did cool, find though. one story uh and it's kind of like a legend um so there's a cherokee story out yes. there about hummingbirds and it goes along the lines of it's about the tobacco plant so at one point all animals and humans spoke the same language and the tobacco plant was there was one tobacco plant in all of the world and it got stolen by Dagluku, the goose, um, or geeses. I don't know if there were multiple, um, but they stole it. So they stole the tobacco plant. And then people started getting really sick and suffering. And then there was this old woman that everybody loved, apparently. And she needed the tobacco plant to survive um, and basically live on. And... They sent humans and they sent animals to try and go retrieve the tobacco plant. And they were either um, killed or they were, um, like, dismembered or uh, they just, like, never made it back. Um, so they were trying to get multiple animals to try. And usually it was four-footed animals and they would all fail. Um, so then, oh. yeah, they, like, got a council together and they were, like, trying to ask different animals to go and retrieve the tobacco plant so that this old woman would live um and eventually a mole ended up showing up and he was like i can go and he's like i'll dig my way there and then i'll just retrieve the plant and i'll bring it back so he did that and he got there and the geese or goose um was waiting for him and he uh, made him suffer the same fate as all the other animals previously and so he never came back and the council was like super upset and they didn't know what else to do and then this hummingbird had been listening and he was like oh I have a plan and they didn't understand how he was going to retrieve the plant because he was so small so he was like well you can test me if I can and they tested him by going to a metal um and they sent him to a plant and they're like, go out there and make sure that none of us see you get out there. Right. And so as soon as they were done giving him instructions, he was out there. Nobody saw him. Nobody saw how he got out there. Nobody saw him get back. Um, it was just there and gone. Um, and so they were like, OK, you should go retrieve the plant now. And so he without like. A missing missing a beat <laughs> he goes and gets the plant and he flies right up to the plant right under the nose of the goose or geese and he um takes his long beak 
and he cuts off the top of the plant, which has leaves and seeds, and he brings it back, and um, the old woman was about to die, and they blew the tobacco smoke up her nostrils, and she opened her eyes and regained her strength. And that's the story that I found about the hummingbird saving an old woman's life. <laughs> I like it. That's really cool, though. Yeah. That's really fun. It's a good story. I need to figure out where you find all of these cool stories. <laughs> uh, I just, I I think I like Whenever to look I've... up the legends. Like, I think the legends are really cool. Yeah. Whenever so... I try, I find the weird ones that don't actually have to do with the animal. <laughs> like, what even is this? <laughs> yeah. Like, all those fox ones. I think I'm just oh. scarred from all the fox stories that I read. The fox ones were intense. So, yeah, cool. Anyways, I do have a couple lightning round facts. Are you ready? Excellent. I'm ready. Um, (laughs) the bee hummingbird of Cuba weighs only one point nine five grams, which means that it is theoretically wow sixteen sixteen of those hummingbirds could be mailed first class using just one stamp. What? Mm-hmm. Because that's how much it weighs. Oh, snap. Okay. And then the next... That's going to take me a minute to digest. Yeah. The the fourth smallest hummingbird weighs a whopping 2.5 grams. So that's less than an ounce. So. They're so itty-bitty. They're so tiny. They're so light. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. The ruby-throated hummingbird's heartbeat um, beats 225 times per minute when the bird is at rest, and then more than 1,200 oh. times per minute when it's flying. Uh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Dang. Uh and then a hummingbird's brain is 4.2% of its body weight, which we talked about, but it's the largest in proportion in the bird kingdom. So brain to body weight of all birds, the hummingbird has the largest brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's smart. Yes. Um, hummingbirds can see ultraviolet light, which is pretty cool. Nice. That is really cool. Yes. Probably helps them with their flowers. Yes. Um, And then the hummingbird's heart is 2.5% of the total body weight. So they have a 4.2% of its body weight is contributed to its brain. And then 2.5% is contributed to its heart. So it's mostly organs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And then my last fact is that hummingbirds don't really sing. They chirp. Which is what we heard at the beginning of the podcast. Ah, uh-huh. so if you say I hear hummingbirds singing, you'd be like, "Lies!" You hear it chirping. It's a chirping, chirp, chirp. So that's the hummingbird. That's really cool. I like it. Yeah, there were I a lot like of facts out there, and uh, it was really hard I have to one generalize thing it. To add. Yes. Yeah, I bet. Um. So when you were talking about how humans 
are one of their threats because of their pesticides and things and Mm -hmm. how they think that they only like certain colors of flowers. You know how a lot of hummingbird feeders are, have like that red coloring Mm -hmm. in it. It's still just sugar water. People just add in that like red food coloring, which is actually really bad for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is something I found. You don't need to add red food coloring. It's more for you than anything, and it's not good for them. Yes. So if you want hummingbird feeders, good for you, but you don't need to have red food coloring in it. It can just be the regular (laughs) sugar water that's clear, and they will find it, and they will still eat it. Yes. And they will remember. They will remember. They remember who puts out food, or yeah, who puts out (laughs) hummingbird feeders and who doesn't yes just like they remember where all the flowers are yes so so feed them but don't dye them (laughs) 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 anyways that was my only thing i was like i wonder if she's gonna say anything about that because i I learned that from my mom because i remember she Mm -hmm. used to have it and then i was like oh is the What's the difference between this one and the red one? She's like, the red one just has dye in it, which is bad for them. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for bringing that up, Nicole. You're welcome. You're welcome, hummingbirds. Well, that's all I've got, animal fact lovers. Thanks for tuning in. Thank Until you. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us, animal lovers. This has been the Animal Facts Podcast with Nicole and Jayla. Please rate, review, and tell all your friends so we can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. We are also looking forward to hearing from you, our listeners. So feel free to email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com with facts you want us to cover, facts you want us to correct, cool or crazy stories you have involving animals we have talked about in the past or may be talking about in the future, or any wild or domesticated (laughs) animals you'd like us to research and add to our list. We want to hear from you and feature your stories as well, so feel free to email them to us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Animal Facts Podcast for updates and other random things. Click the link in the description for our resources, merchandise, and other cool things. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, and supporting us in our animal discoveries and adventures. Our awesome drum roll is provided by my really cool brother and father-in-law, Ethan and Kent Polson. And a special thanks to my best friend, Jewel, for our music. Until, Until next time, bye! Nicole, do you have our last random animal fact? I do. It has nothing to do with hummingbirds, but it does have to do with hearts. Ooh. Okay. And tongues. So it's Ooh. actually very fitting for this episode. Nice. <laughs> All right. A blue whale's tongue can weigh as much as an adult elephant. What? Yes. And its heart is the size of a Volkswagen bug. Wow. Wow. Yep. Wow. The weight of the tongue 
uh, in pounds is 5,400 pounds. Huh. It's a big old tongue and a big old heart. Oh, he's got a big old heart. <laughs> like slug bug. Whale heart. <laughs> I feel like now every time I see a slug bug, I'm going to be like, that's the size of a whale's heart. <laughs> That's so big. So crazy. We could sit in that. Ugh. It's creepy, but it's cool. Thanks. 